0: Welcome into the DNBR Rams podcast, presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and use the promo code DNBR when you sign up. All right, um, really tough one in the home opener. Very familiar feeling for Colorado State fans. It was a fun atmosphere. The students turned out. CSU was favored in this matchup by double digits. And Middle Tennessee definitely punched him in the mouth. Going to play some post-game audio for you here from Jay Norvell. Very, very honest. I mean, the press conference was a lot more refreshing than the ones we experienced the last couple of years. Obviously, this is a rebuild. It's going to take a while, and we'll, you know, get into expectations and all of that here in a, a couple of minutes. But, you know, he said he was going to challenge the roster, and you know, quite simply they're going to get better or they're not going to play. All right, here's some post-game audio from Norvell, and then we'll get into some of my takeaways. Football fans, the first Sunday of NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5, get $200 in free bets instantly, and as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple, bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code DNVR, get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That code DNVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
1: Just got done talking to our kids. And the big thing that we've been trying to establish with our guys is that we've tried to simplify this game and, and um, really work on simple things in practice and try to carry them over to the game. And uh, I'm, I'm really disappointed about some of the fundamental things that we did not do early in this game. Um, We had a couple couple injuries and things that really affected us at tackle in our pass protection. Um, but I'm really disappointed early. Clay started the game and, and just kind of predetermined some things. And he's a young guy. He's, he, he did that a little bit last week. Uh, but that just really was, you know, to start the game off that, that's tough to, to overcome, um, you know, defensively. We played in spurts, and one of the things that you know we just haven't done very well at all is play together. To play together, offense, defense, special teams, and play off each other, Uh, and uh, and that's been tough. Been tough to overcome.
0: All right, those from Jay Norvell's introductory statement during his post game media availability. Again, kind of alluded to this earlier, but it was. It was refreshingly honest. I mean, he laid out all the things that were bad. We'll talk about uh, a few of the other things that I didn't play from the audio. Obviously, pass protection, a a big issue for CSU over the last couple of weeks. Offensive line, definitely just a major concern in general. One of the things I wanted to lead with here is complementary football, which is, you know, obviously what Norvell talked about there. There were moments where it flashed. I mean, obviously going down 34-0 just absolutely brutal. But in that third quarter, when you see the passing offense explode for three touchdowns, when you see Torrey Horton, just essentially uncoverable, or when you see, you know, Mo Kamara wreaking havoc in the backfield, getting after the QB, recording tackles for loss, Jack Howell racking up 17 total tackles, making a great play on a tipped ball to get an interception. It's all an indication of the, the talented playmakers that are on the roster but there hasn't really been moments this year where everything kind of came together. You know, a big part of football is just being able to take advantage. And again, it kind of becomes a cliche at some points. But, you know, playing complimentary football, if the defense gets a turnover, being able to go down the field and capitalize with points. If the offense messes up, you know, the defense backing them up special teams is a component of that. I mean, the Rams missed an extra point and then failed to execute on a two point conversion. I mean, all of those little moments in a game that add up and ultimately kind of determine the outcome, you know, again, I'm not saying the missed extra point was the, the difference in this matchup or anything like that, but it is hard as a fan when, you know, you get excited and then it's, you know, immediate letdown and it's just a lot of emotion and that's unfortunately going to be kind of part of this process with the rebuild you know I've said it since spring they're a high variance team when they pop they really pop but when it's bad it's it's rough it looks like a team with completely new systems on both sides of the ball and 59 new players and that's to be expected now I do want to say you can't be going down 34-0 at home to middle Tennessee I mean, that's not good enough but Norvell knows it again you know they weren't making excuses He got asked by Terry Fry, you know, what he would say to the supporters as, you know, Norvell has been refreshingly engaged with the supporters. And, you know, he was blunt. He's like, I'd have been upset too if I was them watching that football. It was just a straight up gut punch from the opening play. And I mean, you know, if if you're Millen, you can't predetermine that you're going to Horton on that one. And then if you do, you certainly can't miss him the way he did. I mean, it was a really errant throw got tipped, ended up in the hands of a middle Tennessee defensive back, houses it for a pick six, and right off the bat, the, the life just goes out of the stadium. Millen does deserve credit you know, for for hanging in there. There are times where he, he holds on to the ball too long. I know it. I see it too. But it, that's just kind of what happens with freshman quarterbacks, and your rhythm gets all screwed up when you're getting hit left and right. Again, I'll talk about the offensive line situation here momentarily. But I, I do think that Millen deserves praise for you know hanging in there, being tough. You can see the fire that he plays with. He's an extremely competitive guy, and the arm talent is is no joke. I mean, the, the first touchdown pass to Torrey Horton on third and long, where he just freaking ripped it over the top, was insane. That's an NFL throw to an NFL caliber receiver who made a great play as well to bring it in over the the DB. And, you know, again, they, they just, they were able to get some momentum going in that third quarter. You see the, the confidence that he has in, in Torrey Horton and understandably so Horton finished with nine catches, 186 yards, three touchdowns, nine CSU receiver in program history to have a three touchdown game first since Preston Williams at air force in 2019, also a losing effort. You can see the potential that this dude has, at least I hope you can, but he's young and he's going to do things that, you know, make you scratch your head, make you want to, you know, throw your drink against the wall, whatever. Don't do that. That's probably not the the healthiest way to deal with frustration, but I, you guys get what I mean. He's he's going to have moments like the pick six where you're like, "What the hell are you thinking, dude?" And there are going to be moments like that touchdown pass where you're like, "Oh, yeah. He's a bad mofo." Peaks and valleys, man. That's how it works with young quarterbacks, even the talented ones. But some of the fans out there have, have got to learn to roll with these punches in the early stages of the rebuild. It's it's easy to get excited about the talent. It's easy to get excited about everything that it is going right for the program. And again, you know, like I, I get caught up in some of it as well. But when it's not great right off the bat, And I just see so much hostility on Twitter. I'm like, good lord, this is some small-time behavior. I mean, I saw a couple of tweets unironically saying, man, I can't believe I'd be sitting here wishing we still had Daz. What? This process takes time. Nico Medved did not flip CSU basketball into an NCAA tournament team into a program that wins 20-plus games in multiple seasons in a row. He didn't do it overnight. Didn't happen immediately. There were some tough losses in there along the way there'll be more. But the amount of people that went from stoked about everything going on with the program to just immediate worst case scenario, doom and gloom, you know, saying stuff like this is, you know, the worst performance I've ever seen and stuff. It's guys in no way. is that the worst performance you've ever seen. We can talk about some of those Fairchild era games if you want, especially late in them. I mean, 2020 Boise State. And I'm not saying that you can't be upset, that you can't be critical. Again, going down 34-0 to Middle Tennessee at home, that's not acceptable. But just some of the the volatile stuff I saw, the nasty comments I saw online, were a way worse look for the CSU community than you know that first half was. This process is not going to be immediately. Again, it was disappointing. It was frustrating. It sucked. I don't know how many other ways I can say it. But the chicken little shit, the sky is falling every single time. It's just, it's whack. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. Or just don't tweet during the games, maybe. I'm guessing a lot of what gets posted, you know, people don't even mean it in their in their hearts. It's just one of those situations where you get swept up in the emotion of the game. And I get that too. Been there, done that. But this was a total rebuild. And it's going to take time, even with better coaches, even with more talent on the roster. It's going to take time. You know, we we talk so much about loyalty and wanting coaches to be loyal to a program when things are going right. It's a two-way street, guys. You know what makes a, a coach, you know what drives a coach out of town? When fans get the freaking pitchforks at every single bump along the way. And I'm, I guess I'm going to clarify this one more time because I know that some people are going to take this the wrong way and say, you know, imply that I'm, saying you guys shouldn't have expectations or, you know, shouldn't be upset. I think I've made it pretty clear it, it sucked to see CSU go down 34-0 to Middle Tennessee in their own building. But, you know, who also lost some, some frustrating ones early? Sonny Lubick, Jim McElwain. Those guys both had losing seasons their first year. Shoot, even in Mac's second year, they lost at Tulsa on the road to a really me mediocre Tulsa team that they just absolutely murdered the, the following year in 2014 when they came back to Fort Collins. They lost at home to San Jose State but eventually they figured it out. Eventually instead of just having you know spurts and flashes of the talent, it was consistent. Eventually they started playing complementary football you know when the offense would you know get hot the defense would help them out as well. You know, they play off of each other. This program is going to be better in the long run. I I firmly believe in what Jay Norvell is building here. I believe in these other coaches and the talent on this roster. You know, again, Torrey Horton, that guy is for real. The run defense was really, really solid yesterday. I I think the linebackers have have played pretty well early on. Coverage was not as solid yesterday. It also kind of seemed like a lot of the play calls were coming in late. Maybe some confusion in the back end there that resulted in a lot more open receivers than you would like to see. I mean, it definitely was not great. They made some plays in the second half. Jack Howell had an awesome interception. He just continues to to be in the right places at the right time. Love watching him play. But in that first half especially, I mean, Chase Cunningham essentially just picked the secondary apart and totally finished the game 31-39 to for 266. One touchdown, one pick. 79% completion rating. Uh, QBR of 140.1. That's on the official stat broadcast line, not ESPN. But instilling the right culture, you know, creating a a winning program, it's not something that happens, you know, in in one spring ball, one fall camp. I didn't think the offensive line would struggle quite like this. We'll talk about some of the changes that are probably coming, but I mean, it's not shocking. It's not shocking given that. They had to bring in all new transfers, and it's essentially a hodgepodge of of people that have played in, in other programs, but have have no continuity together. There are definitely signs. I mean, we talked about in the spring game how the defensive line, you know, really had their way, both of the uh, the scrimmages in fall camp as well. I would say the D line held up better than the O line, but you just you can't really win when your offense is predicated on stretching the field and you're giving up nine sacks and you're not able to alleviate any of that pressure with the run game. You know, again, it was pretty abysmal in this one Ajon Vivens leading rusher with uh, 12 carries for 41 yards, 3.1 yards per carry did have a red zone fumble though. That was brutal. David Bailey got some earlier looks after, you know, taking advantage of his opportunities against Michigan, but this time around eight carries for seven yards, less than a yard per carry. Uh, Moro three attempts for seven yards. I saw a lot of you know posts again like, hey, why are they running the ball this much? Because they're struggling to protect the quarterback. Some of that is on Millen at times. I mean, there are definitely moments where he holds on to it too long, trying to create a play. It's what young quarterbacks do, but you know he's got to work through that. But when you can't, you know, when you're struggling to protect the quarterback and you're also struggling to run the football effectively. It allows the defense to just tee off on you. And that's what happened in this one. And they were going up against a high pressure unit anyways, which is, you know, something that we talked a lot about in the pregame articles. That, you know, defensive coordinator for Middle Tennessee, Schaefer, he loves to blitz all the time. And it's it's high risk, high reward. And you know, last week they tried to do the exact same thing. They weren't able to get home and their coverage didn't hold up and it resulted in some points. By the way, James Madison murdered another opponent this week. They're probably just a really good football team, but it was essentially just kind of a, a perfect storm. You're going up against a high pressure unit in middle Tennessee. That's all they do. They just go after you and after you and after you, the offensive line is struggling and you're not able to run the ball effectively. That's what it's going to look like. And there's really not a whole lot you can do as a play caller. You just kind of hope that that something pops. And in that third quarter, you know, they were able to get some stuff going but then in the fourth quarter, you know, struggled to protect the QB again, makes it harder to sustain drives. We'll see what the adjustments are. You know, I do think that Bill Best is a better offensive line coach than what the Rams had been working with. I think that was a room that did not have a ton of talent when they got here and they've added a bunch of talent via the transfer portal, both on scholarship and some guys that are, you know, Colorado kids that walked on, you know, Cameron Cooper comes over from UTEP. He's a guy that could potentially be, you know, on the field moving forward I do think Jacob Gardner, who has been the team's starting center, will be the left tackle moving forward. He was a left tackle at Nevada, moved to center uh, when they came over here, but they just, you know, Chez Jackson really struggled yesterday, starting for Brian Crespo, who was unfortunately going to be out for the year with a knee injury. Then, you know, Keys went down starting right tackle with uh, a knee injury as well. They did think that he could probably have forced it, but... You know they, they just wanted to err on the cautious side, especially because they're already so thin there. Hopefully, they have him back next week. Strained medial collateral, we'll see. But I, I genuinely think that if, if you're being fair about the situation, it, it was pretty tough for the staff coming in. They, they didn't have a ton of depth, at offensive line, anyways, because Bobo really did not recruit it very well at the end of his tenure. Adazio did not recruit it as well either you know brought in a couple of guys that I'm intrigued by but you know they just they don't have a lot of depth they don't have a lot of experience lost some more guys that daz brought in and then you know ultimately left when he was dismissed and they're struggling early i mean there's really no other way to say it i, I do think that millen could help him them out at times get rid of the ball there were some scenarios where you know running backs completely whiffed on their pass protection assignments as well you know again going back to the concept of of complementary football you got to pick each other up. You know, if if you're running back and the tackle whiffs, you got to find a way to, you know, chop that end, you know, chip him, get him out of the way. If you're a, if you're a defender and your quarterback, just, you know, threw a bad pick, you've got to step up, you know, you've got to defend a short field. You've got to help each other out. And there's just not a ton of that happening right now. That's one of the things that Norvell talked about post game. And it's, you know, something that's got to improve moving forward. But I, I just think the big thing is that it, it takes time. It takes time to create a winning culture. And if if you take away anything from this, it's that you know I'm not trying to tell you you shouldn't be frustrated by that type of game. It was frustrating, and you know Norvell said the same thing. But we've also got to be reasonable. So it, it's just one of those where you got to roll with the punches. You got to understand that it's going to be a high variance team. They're going to pop at times and they're going to frustrate at times. And, you know, honestly, the sport is just kind of dumb sometimes. I mean, there were a lot of really weird results. We saw Utah State lose at home by 28 to Weber State today, FCS team. Nevada lost to Incarnate Ward. I mean, there there were some wonky results. Washington State, after barely beating Idaho, beat Wisconsin on the road. My guess is that at some point this season, CSU is going to win a game that in the preseason we did not expect them to, just like they lost this game to Middle Tennessee you know, in in the preseason, and even more so after week one, you thought CSU would win. But that's the thing about college football. Week to week, the results are just insane, and we think we know a team based on one week, and we don't. Notre Dame hangs with Ohio State, makes everybody think, oh, you know, top five. Next week, they lose to Marshall. Texas A&M, you know, they lost at home today. The to Appalachian State, nobody should ever schedule them. If they're a big conference, those guys are just giant slayers. But last week, App State looked like crap for three quarters before, you know, scoring 40 in the fourth quarter to force overtime. They ended up losing a heartbreaker. My point is just that, like, this sport is so wonky and there I don't think there is another one out there where the results, you know, vary as dramatically as they do in college football. And that's even with programs that are established. So let alone a program that's in its first year with a new staff and a completely new roster, essentially. Anyways, that's my two cents, but what do I know? Game time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports concerts and shows ever dreamed of sitting in a seat. You never thought you could 50 yard line, maybe courtside, behind home plate floor seats at a concert it's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on these seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal on Broncos tickets, Rams tickets, whatever, than on GameTime. It's created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, then you'll love GameTime. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the podcast description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the GameTime app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Again, just check out the link in the podcast description wherever you listen to your pods. All right, real quick, I want to give you my DraftKings Pick of the Week We've got NFL action on Sunday. Of course, the best place to bet on all of that is over with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use that code DNVR when you sign up. We've got some really fun games. I think there's an opportunity uh, for a lot of home upsets, potentially. I also think that there's some spreads where teams are just being disrespected, and one of them is Kansas City on the road. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites at Arizona. I think that they should cover that fairly handily. I think Arizona is going to be fun. Obviously, we're all rooting for Trey McBride, but you know JJ Watson's injured right now. They're missing Hopkins the first six weeks. Zach Ertz is is potentially injured, and the Chiefs, despite losing Tyreek Hill, they still have Patrick Mahomes. I think that at times they kind of learned how to play less aggressive. You know, taking their their foot off the pedal a little bit last year, and they're better for it. They've much improved that offensive line. And you know, again, they still have Mahomes. I like the Chiefs to cover that six and a half. Lock it in. DraftKings Pick of the Week. All right, I'm going to leave you with some audio here of Jay Norvell answering a couple of my questions. Puzz game. First thing I asked him was just about Tory Horton and what's allowed him to have so much success these first two weeks. And then I asked about Millen and just the experience of of sticking in there. Obviously, you know he was taking a beating. You know, some coaches might have considered. You know, pulling him when they went down 34 0. Instead, they, they keep him in the game and he ends up throwing three touchdowns. And, you know, that type of stuff is valuable for a quarterback who just needs playing time. And that's what Norvell talked about. So I'm going to leave this audio for you. Uh, that's all I have to say on this one. Again, a tough game, but it, it takes time to, to build a winning culture and it's not going to happen as soon as we want it to. I know we're all tired of losing. It's been a brutal half decade, but. You know, they're doing the right things and we will see the results. But take a deep breath, you know, get outside and uh, forget this one. Put it in the rear view. It's four touchdowns in two games for Torrey Orton. What is he doing out there that's you know allowing him to have so much
1: success? He's just competitive. He's a really good player, and and I think he's a little frustrated because he could we really could get him the ball a lot more. Um, and uh, he's been running open um you know and we'll continue to get him uh touches and you know he he played very well today you know uh and just looking at his stat line right now and that's what he's capable of i really think he i think he's going to be one of the best receivers in this league in our conference and and so we just we just need to you know play a little bit better around him and complement his game and tori uh, uh clay really has Confidence in him, obviously. Um, but we just have to play a little bit better complimentary around him and give him give him more support.
0: You said yourself kind of too little too late in terms of the outcome, but just how valuable is it for Clay Millen to get a chance to work through those issues? Going down 34-0 and not protecting the QB, maybe could have pulled him, but instead you keep him in and
1: throw three touchdowns. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a competitive guy. And, 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 you know, he's young. He needs to play. You know, he, that's the only way he's going to learn how to play is, is to play. And, and he gives us the best chance to play. Um, and, again, he'll learn from some of the things that happened to him today. Um, but I'm, I'm just uh, I'm excited about him. He's a tough kid. And, obviously, we don't want him to, to get hit the way he did today. And, um, you know, he's got to do a better job of rectifying that and get people around him that can help him more. Um, but I do think we've got some some guys that can make some plays if we can give him time and and, and allow him to see see the coverage and get the ball to his receivers. Um, we obviously got to make progress on that. And so got to tie it all together, you know, tie it all together, Get our get our defense, offense, and special teams playing as one, and that's the biggest challenge uh, when when you have a new team, is to get everybody to play together. And we knew that going in, we knew we had a lot of guys that didn't, haven't played together. And, uh, um, you know, and obviously we're seeing some of the growing pains of that. And, and we got to keep pushing and working through it. And, you know, the good thing is, is that we've been through it before and uh, we just have to stay with it. Um, and, uh, You know, I think we'll be better for it if our kids stay together and and don't start pointing fingers at each other.